so thankful tonight that I have the freedom and the privilege to be in the house of the Lord. I'm thankful tonight that I can lift up my hands. I can lift up my voice because of the victory that is in the wonderful, matchless name of Jesus. You know, the reason any of us is here in this room tonight is simply because of the name Jesus. He's been good to us. Amen. He's been better than good to us. And I'm so grateful, so thankful for it. Man, what a time in the presence of the Lord this morning in this house. Amen. I, I am so grateful for the lives that's been touched uh, in recent days across the globe and what God is doing. I saw that uh, Franklin Graham just did a meeting, and at one time, 6,000 people received Jesus as Lord and Savior just a couple days ago. That, that's, that's exciting. I, I, I want you to understand God is doing something in the earth, and I'm glad that when I say he's doing something in the earth, what I'm really saying is he's doing something in the earth. Stuff in men's lives, women's life, and it's, it means this, that in the midst of hopelessness, there is hope because God is still present, and I'm so grateful for it. Before I get into the Word tonight and before I preach tonight, I have a treat for you. And uh, I'm going to uh, invite my daughter to come tonight and uh, share her heart uh, just for a couple of moments. And, uh, and uh, I want us to just have ears to hear, and we're just going to just, uh, just follow tonight. In just a few moments, I, the Lord has helped me. I'm going to deliver something, a continuation a little bit of what we was doing this morning. But I really feel like I'm going to be able to bring some things to you. Uh, in just a few moments concerning where we are right now and it's going we're getting ready to see the gooder and the gooder and the gooder of God but can we make Kirsten welcome tonight as she comes praise the Lord God is good and I'm nervous but God's still good amen amen <laughs> amen um I will be in Joel chapter 2, verse 12. I'm going to read a lot um, if you want to stand when you have it. Um, I just want to take a minute to thank Pastor for allowing us young people to come up here and share what's on our hearts. Um, he's stretching me, and I'm thankful for that um, because I'm thankful for the vision that God's given our pastor for the people in this church um, so I might not have a lot to say, but I do think that it's what God is speaking to me. Um, so again, I thank you for the time that I have up here. It might be quick, but I do hope that you listen to what I believe God has put on my heart to share. Um, so if I had to title this message, I titled it A Call to Repentance. Um, after Sunday service, Ronnie had said, are you going to speak on Sunday? And I thought he was just kidding, and I'm like, I ain't doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. But I begin to think about it, um, and I'm like, God, I will do it if you give me a word. And I've prayed all week, and I haven't felt a word. And I'm like, Ronnie, I ain't doing this. I don't have a word. Um, but last night, as I was praying, 
this came up to me several times as I was reading through the word, a call to repentance. Um, so I believe that that's where God has us. And as I read, I just want you to listen to what the word has to say. It says, now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great kindness. He relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babes, let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and before and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priest who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? So before this in Joel, um, God is um, telling us a story, and in Israel, they were in a time of rebellion. They were very far away from God. Um, you guys can be seated. Um, sorry. Um, in this time, um, the locusts, they were in um, a drought and a famine, and the locusts had ate every green thing that was in Israel. It said that the beasts of the field even had to cry out because of the drought. They had no water to drink, so they would be panting. They were crying out to God. Every living thing was crying out to God because they needed a move. They were in such a desperate place for God. And Joel called on everyone from the elders, and the, the, my notes say from the elders to the ordinary inhabitants. So everybody who had an ear that would hear, Joel called on them. But the devastation got people's attention, and I do believe that's where we're at today in the world. God has gotten our attention. But now that he has our attention, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to change our ways are we going to step into what he has for us? Because that doesn't happen by doing the same thing we've always done. And it's even in the little things. You might not, it might not be a big sin. I mean, God doesn't believe in big sin or little sin. But to us, a big sin, it might just be that little thing. Is it too much time watching a TV show? Is it too much time listening to a song that might not bring glory to God? Is it too much time, you know, do it cleaning your house, you know, other than reading and praying? Because that stuff can wait. Are you going to change your ways to move forward? So once God had their attention, he called them to the temple for a sacred assembly to fast, to pray, of confession, and then he renewed them. So that's really all I have was a call of repentance. He's got our attention, but what are you going to do with it? Amen. Thank you, Kirsten. I believe that it is a very powerful question in this moment of time that we find ourselves in because how many knows that repentance is where it begins? And I, I believe that uh, to be uh, very foundational for you and I that's in this room today that in order for us to experience what God would have for us to experience uh, in its wholeness, in its complete form in this time is it is going to require men and women to repent. And we're going to stay in those same, uh, 
in that same vein tonight, just for a few moments. I will not keep you long, but I will keep you long enough to share with you what God has put in my heart for for us today. And uh, and while I'm thankful for the truths of God's word, and while I'm thankful for what I ministered on this morning, the noise. And what I believe is happening even today in this very hour is the wind that is getting ready to give birth to this reversal uh, in nations today. I want you to understand, I guess I could sum that up in, in this, that there is, in this moment, there is a move that is taking place. Now, if something is in a state of movement, it means that things are in a changing manner. It's in a changing form. It's in a changing time. And uh, so tonight, Matthew chapter 21 is where we're going to be. And I'm going to give you a, a familiar passage, a familiar story, if you will. And uh, I am not confused tonight. I do know what day and what month it is. And I understand this is not Palm Sunday, okay? So don't think that I've that I've lost my way, but I am going to give you the story uh, concerning what we talk about or what we celebrate Palm Sunday, which will be here in just a few weeks. Uh, believe it or not, uh, Resurrection Sunday is not that far away. So, so this is something we're getting ready to transition into. Uh, but tonight, I believe there is times of divine interruption, and I believe that we are in one of those times. You know, what uh, the Bible tells us very clearly that uh, if, we, if, we're com if we're faithful, uh, and I do believe in the sowing and reaping concept of God's Word, uh, but we also know this, that not only in, and I've taught this and preached this for years, in the natural we have spring, summer, fall, and winter. Uh, in the spirit, uh, we also have spring, summer, fall, and winter. But also spiritually, we also have a fifth season that we don't have in the natural. And that fifth season is called the due season. And that means that there is a time at any given time, doesn't matter if it's in the spring, summer, fall, or winter, that if the Lord desires to, he can cause a divine interruption. And in due season, he can do whatever he wants to do. He can't in any season, but a due season is a divine season, or what you could say this way, it is a time of divine interruption. Now, and the Bible teaches us that if we will not faint and continue to be what? Faithful, that in due season we'll what? We'll reap if we don't faint. So, meaning this, there will be a reward. There will be something brought into you, into your bosom, so to speak. So, I, I'm thankful uh, for those truths that we find in God's Word. However, we find in Matthew chapter 21, the arrival of Jesus, which is a very unique season uh, concerning prophetic events that we have throughout our Bible. Now, we find on several occasions uh, throughout your Bible that men have had plans, and it appeared like they would accomplish that which was in their heart, whether it be good or evil, uh, and they would have unless there had been something that took place out of the ordinary that changed everything. In the beginning, God created. Anybody remember reading that in your Bible? Okay. It was glorious. He began to speak. Things began to happen. Things was formed out of nothing. 
Then you find that after he had made the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and all of these other living things and beautiful things and, and, and everything was, was just glorious. And then he says, let us make man in our likeness and our image. And then he breathes in the, the nostrils of mankind. They become a living, breathing soul. They're in commune with God, in relationship with God. He, he then realizes it's not good for Adam to be alone, so he puts him to sleep, takes a rib, creates Eve, and we find that then they're put in the garden to dress it, to take care of it. And this is what their charge was. Their charge was to multiply and to replenish the earth. It was simply to have dominion and to subdue everything else around it. Now, sounds good, right? But you read in your Bible a few chapters over and you'll find this. It repenteth God that he made man. How quickly we mess things up. Man was in a state of doing everything. The Bible says that man's heart was on evil continually. But Moses found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In the midst of everything that was going on. The hearts of men was evil. All of a sudden, the Lord says, build an ark. Let me say this to you. If there had not been an interruption of what was going on that day, think about how evil and how dark the world would be. But because God stepped in and caused a man to build an ark and to saving his family, we find that there was the thing that was utterly destroyed, a brand new canvas, so to speak, was created. And we find that then Moses and his family were the only ones that was saved, is what we read in Scripture. Now, another time in history we find that men had came together in such a manner that they said, we are going to build a building and we're going to build it into the heavenlies. It brought the attention of God in such a manner. He said this. You can read it in your Bible. I'm going to go down there to see this for myself. I want to see what's going on. It's called the Tower of Babel. And the word of the Lord tells us very clearly in the first book of your Bible, it says they would have accomplished what they set in their heart to do if there had not been a divine interruption. This divine interruption God caused there to be in a confusion of language come to the people. Now, we could go all throughout Scripture and talk about events that have occurred. We could talk to you about the heating of a furnace. There was a culture. There was a group of people that was so engulfed in idol worship and doing everything, but there was a divine interruption of three young boys that said, we're not careful to answer you. We're going to stand for something. And because of that, them along with their friend Daniel who had experienced a lion's den, they become rulers and they begin to change the whole culture of a nation. Now, whether it's building an ark or building a tower of Babel or going through a fiery furnace doesn't really matter. What matters is that we understand this, that there was a movement that began to take place and it changed everything. We have documented evidence that mankind has always dealt with times of interruption, but none is greater than the interruptions that have affected the human race by the birth of one man whose name is Jesus. 
Now, notice the effects of this one child. He was born of a virgin. He was conceived by the Holy Ghost. He was the son of God, not the son of a man. And read all of that in Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2. But we find that the angels announced his arrival in such a manner to shepherds in the field that it changed the atmosphere of the heavenlies as well as the things on earth. At the age of 12, this young boy made men marvel at the words that he used. They said, how does he have such understanding? How, much, how can he possess such knowledge? But then we find that there was another stirring or another interruption when John was preaching one day by the Jordan and he sees Jesus coming and he said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Anybody remember reading that in your Bible? John simply said this, I saw in the form of a dove the Holy Spirit come and sit down upon him and he said it was so significant to me and impacted my life in such a manner because I'd received a word from the Lord that simply said that the one that you see that the dove sets down on, it is him that is the Son of God. Caused a great stir. But even a greater stir is when Jesus said, John, I need you to baptize me. He said, I'm not even worthy to unlace your shoes, let alone baptize you. But when he did, all of a sudden there was a voice from the heavenlies that interrupted and simply said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, think about that. Interruption after interruption after interruption began to take place. And, and if you'll stay with me just for a few moments, we find at the age of 30, as he began his earthly ministry, all of a sudden something began to happen everywhere he went because men began to say this, we have never heard it on this kind or on this manner before. He teaches as one that has authority. And everywhere he went when he would teach, uh, when he would speak, uh, there was always a manifestation of the power and the authority that he had. People was healed. People was delivered. Miracles was wrought in his presence. What am I saying is everywhere he went, there was a move. But men failed to understand what was taking place right before their eyes. Even though he had prophetically heard about it, been talked about, been taught about for years. Words had been given that there would be the arrival of a king. But notice when he came, he was rejected of his own. Can I tell you right now, the only place that this move of God is receiving resistance is not from the world right now, but it's receiving resistance from his own church. And if we're not careful, we're going to watch a generation of people reject him again. Now, stay with me. He would be delivered of his people. And with great detail, the prophets had given insight concerning the future. But men failed to understand the unfolding of these prophetic events of his time that you read of in Matthew chapter 21. Let me read them to you tonight just for a moment. And when Jesus was come near Jerusalem and they was near the Mount of Olives, it was then that Jesus sent two of his disciples and he said, go into the village over against you and immediately you will find an ass tied and a colt with her. I want you to loose them and I want you to bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say the Lord hath need of them and immediately he will send them. And all of this was done that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by the prophet saying, 
Tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass and a colt, the foal of her. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and they brought them, and they put on them their clothes, and they set him up on there. And then there was a very great multitude that spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches from the trees, and they strayed them in the way. And the multitude that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus then went into the temple of God and cast out all of them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And he said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased and said unto him, hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said unto them, Yea, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged there. Now, I think we're familiar with that story, but let me continue tonight for a few moments. In this passage of Scripture, we find that there was a move that began to happen. Jerusalem began to shake. The word of the Lord begins to say that it shook. Uh, I'm talking about there was physical movement because the noise that Jesus was arriving, that he was present, and nobody knew who he was. It was in the midst of a time when others was arriving and others was coming in their forms, but he comes riding in and there is a fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy of the 69th week that's coming that we could talk a lot about today, but there was a completion that was coming. And in this arrival, there was those in the in, in spiritual leadership and spiritual authority. They were still in the synagogue asking for their Messiah to come, and they failed to understand that he was in the streets of their city in the midst of movement. Now, I say that to say this, tonight we are in a place right now where once again there is a move that is taking place. Everybody can have their opinion or their ideal and that's fine. But I want you to understand that there is a move that is presently taking place on the earth and the reason that there is such a shaking is because that there is an arrival of the one true king. Uh, notice with me, this is very special visitation. Uh, now, I could talk to you about many things tonight, but please uh, stay with me. Uh, we find after a little better than three years of earthly ministry, Jesus knows the cross is in his future, but before he steps into that chapter, there was one more prophecy that must be filled, and that prophecy is the prophecy that I just read to you. There had to be a proclamation, and there had to be a visitation 
into Jerusalem by Jesus uh, in a manner where he was coming in a state of meekness, uh, where he's coming in a state where the prophecy of Daniel would be fulfilled. And we read that in Daniel 9 and 27, but we find in Matthew 12, uh, or Matthew 21, Mark chapter 11, the story of the palm branch has been waved and the garment's been placed upon him and on the path before him brings about the fulfillment of this prophecy. You say, why is this important? Uh, can I tell you, it was not spoken of just once, but it was spoken of multiple times. Zechariah chapter 9, verse number 9, it is spoken of as well. We know that the crowd in front is a picture of Israel. It is a picture uh, of them rejecting him and walking in front of him. However, the crowd behind him was a picture of the church. Uh, but notice upon his arrival into the city, the city began to be moved, uh, meaning this, as it began to shake, uh, there was an excitement or there was a buzz that began to take place uh, that nobody else around really understood uh, other than a multitude uh, that had got uh, close enough uh, into his presence where they began to realize there's something about him. Uh, they had heard about him. Uh, they had seen the miracles that had happened, uh, but there was a revelation that came to a small multitude of people uh, that they began to say, we know who he is. Hosanna to the highest. Uh, can I tell you right now, there's a lot of religious folks that ain't getting what's happening. Uh, there's a lot of young that doesn't know what's happening. Uh, but there is a remnant group of people uh, that has got a little bit of revelation uh, that you know what? This isn't like everything else. Uh, and I want you to understand with me tonight, uh, this isn't just another series of good services. Uh, this is not just a series of, okay, we're going to have a little, uh, we're going to have a little blip on the radar, so to speak, uh, and then we're going to go back to as things was. Uh, we are never going back. Uh, listen, there's going to be people that still stay in dry, dead churches. I understand that, and I'm not being mean. That's just the way it's going to be. Uh, but there is a genuine, true move of God uh, that's touching the earth today uh, that's about to set the stage uh, for the greatest interruption that God has ever given to humanity. Uh, can I tell you, I'm not here full of doom and gloom tonight, uh, but I am here full of anticipation uh, because I have read the back of the book and I know how it ends. Uh, I am not going to experience defeat, but I am getting ready to go into a place of victory. Uh, whether I live another 20 years or 20 days or two hours, doesn't matter. Uh, listen, I sat in the day and Jade came around and put his big old arms around my neck, thought he's going to choke me out. Uh, listen, I just looked up at him and said, it's all right, I win. Uh, can I tell you, it does not matter what happens. Uh, the enemy might come. Uh, he may huff and puff uh, and he may try to do everything he can. Uh, but I come to tell you, uh, there's, a, there's a revelation that's coming to the people of God uh, that he still is who he says he is. Uh, listen, uh, nothing's changed. But much like the time of his birth, listen, uh, the atmosphere where he was uh, began to be altered uh, by the movement uh, that was began to be generated in this moment. Well, when you really stop and read Matthew chapter 21, you gotta get you got to get the whole story. Uh, it's a time uh, of celebration. Uh, it's a time when a lot of things has gone on in Jerusalem. Uh, the place was already buzzing with activity. Uh, listen, it wasn't a big deal that somebody was coming in riding on 
a donkey, so to speak. Uh, everybody was moving everywhere in Jerusalem. Uh, but all of a sudden, uh, there was something happened uh, because nobody had sat on that baby colt before. Uh, listen, uh, something was definitely different in the dynamics of this man versus any other man. Uh, listen, uh, he could have said, go get me a white stallion and let me ride in uh, and let me tell him that, man, I'm the king and I'm getting ready to take this thing by force. Uh, I'm going to be this military might. Uh, I'm going to be their ruler. No, 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 no. Uh, he said, I got to go to the plan of the Father. I got to arrive in meekness. Uh, I've got to arrive in the manner that has been ordained uh, before the foundation of the world. Uh, and as he begins to come in this manner, uh, all of a sudden, just like at his birth, uh, there began to be something happened. Uh, and can I tell you, the same disruption in the atmosphere then uh, is the same disruption that we're experiencing now. Uh, you say, how can you say that? Uh, it's because prophetically, uh, listen, uh, there had to be some things realigned uh, for Jesus to come forth out of the womb of a virgin. Uh, there had to be some things realigned uh, for him to go to a place called Calvary. Uh, there had to be some things realigned for on the very early in the morning before the first day of the week for there to be a resurrection. Uh, there had to be some things realigned, uh, even on Palm Sunday, uh, as we call it, uh, for there to be a fulfillment of prophetic prophecy. Uh, and can I tell you, uh, we are no longer at the beginning of the last days, uh, but we are in the final moments of the last days, meaning this, uh, that when you think not, look up, because your redemption draws nigh. Uh, what I come to tell somebody tonight, uh, it's not church as usual. It's not just going about the routines. But we are ever close to the return of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Listen, heaven's getting closer whether you want to accept it or not. But before we can make our final exit, before we can get there, there has to be something changed in the atmosphere. You see, before he could ever go to Calvary, he had to ride a donkey into Jerusalem. And before the church can ever exit, into, into the portals of glory. There has to be a change. What is it? We got to get rid of sickness. We got to get rid of disease. We got to get rid of all of the complacency because he says, I'm not coming back for something's dead, but I'm coming back for something that is full with glory and for power. So that's why on this moment of time, on the scope of history, that there is an author authentic move of God uh, because this move uh, is getting ready to purify uh, and glory and bring glory and honor uh, to the church uh, because please hear me uh, this is a season of change and movement now I'm trying to contain myself, but I'm not doing a good job at it this evening because uh, I wanted to teach this thing, but I really want to preach it. Uh, so the Lord's going to have to help me real quick uh, because notice uh, there is a move right now due to his presence. Now, what does that mean? Cities, states, nations are beginning to move, meaning to shake. Why? What I'm saying is geographically, we are seeing evidence of his arrival. There began, there is a buzz. How in the world can you explain to me that a city of less than 6,000 people, that most people in the United States of America as well as the world never knew existed? Let me be honest. How many in this room, be honest with me, 
How many in this room before two weeks ago had ever heard of a place called Wilmore? My wife has because she was raised right there. But let me see your hand if you'd ever heard of Wilmore, Kentucky before. Okay, you got one, two, three, four, five people out of how many is in here. So you got less than 5% of the people in this room had ever heard of Wilmore before. And the reason why you hadn't really heard about Wilmore before was because there really ain't nothing there. Asbury College, if you did any revival history or anything like that, you probably have read about it and seen it. But outside of that, nobody really knew it existed. But because, hear me, because of Jesus, not because of social media, not because, but because Jesus stepped in and began to touch the hearts of about 19 young people. A town of less than 6,000 people has had over 100,000 people come and visit it. Now, that may not mean nothing to you, but I guarantee you, if you go talk to people in Wilmore tonight, they're going to say, man, this place has been shook up. There's been a shaking. Why was there a shaking? Was it because your favorite artist was there? Was it because your favorite preacher was there? But it was because Jesus was there. Now stay with me. So there's a move due to his presence. So geographically, a place began to shake because of his visitation. And because of that now, people have went there, experienced that, tasted that, and now they've went to their respected places, and now we're seeing other geographically places begin to be moving. Now, that's the move of his presence. But at the same time that's happening, there is a move of acceptance. Now, what's that really mean? You see... Because of his presence, because of his visitation, there is a move of acceptance. And at that move of acceptance is not by everybody, but it is by a small remnant group of people. And because of that move of acceptance, it is simply that really is creating this excitement and this atmosphere and this thirst to taste and see what this really is. And while there is many adults in the church is accepting and responding to it, most of those that is receiving and, cause, and walking and experience this move of acceptance is our children. And when I say children, I'm talking about our preteens all the way up to our young 20, uh, 25 and younger adults. Now, why is this important? Much of the geographical movement is the result of the cry of our children that's taking place in these geographical regions because they saw it in one place and they began to say, God, I want that here in my circle. I want that here in my group. I want that here in my church. I want that in my school. And, and because of the cry of the children, this movement of his presence has now created this move of acceptance. And this move of acceptance is now beginning to create this thirst and no, how many knows that when we call out, he is faithful to respond? Which then brings me to this place 
and Kirsten touched on it just for a moment, is at the same time that's going on, there is also currently, right now in this moment, there is a move of correction that's taking place. Now, this has begun within the church. But notice, in Asbury over the last two weeks, there would just be people all of a sudden because the conviction power of God would just stand up and begin to confess things. Now, that make you really uncomfortable, right? But here's what happened. When they would do that, all of a sudden, the people in there, they would just simply turn around and say, but the blood of Jesus covers you. And all of a sudden, there would be an explosion of worship. Now, I'm saying this because we find in Matthew chapter 21, in the midst of the movement, in the midst of hearing this, Hosanna, thou son of David. Hosanna, Hosanna, in this midst of worship, the first thing that Jesus does, he doesn't stop by Chick-fil-A, he doesn't stop by five guys, but he goes straight to the house of God. He walks into the temple and he begins to turn over some tables and some chairs And he drives out what's there because he realizes this. In order for this thing to be sustained, in order for this to really come to the full circle that it needs to be, correction has to begin because my house will be called a house of prayer. This house has become everything but that. Now, if our foundation isn't one of prayer, then our foundation is wrong. Everything that we're doing and are going to do from this point forward should be done and built on the foundation of prayer. Now, this is probably the most important move that's going on and going forward, and that is this this move of correction. Because once the temple is purged, it is then able to be used in the manner in which it was created. And that's why right now, I want you to understand with me, in the midst of this move, you and I must be very sensitive It's not about what we label to be a big sin, a little sin, or sin at all. What matters is that what does God say that he wants to be present in our life and what does he desire to remove from our lives? And I I know this delivery is a little different tonight, but I feel like it's very important that we understand that during this move, there's multiple movements that's taking place. There is the move of his presence. Yes, there is. There is the move of acceptance. Yes, there is. But there's also a move in the spirit of the move of correction because God is purging. And I believe this very seriously and sincerely in my heart today, that there is a purging in the, in the leadership roles of the church in America and the nations of the world because God's getting ready Please hear me. He's getting ready to begin to move. As we mentioned this morning, we're going from the noise to the wind to the reversal, meaning this, if we were going to reverse something, we're going to take it back to its original purpose. Okay? He's going to take this and he's bringing us back to where and what we're supposed to be doing, and that is this. There had to be, and it was on display immediately, of what he wanted his temple to be, in Matthew chapter 21, because in the middle of after throwing the tables over and turning the chairs over, he then says that the blind and the lame come to him, and all of a sudden, guess what? They began to be healed. There was a movement of the healing aspect, and there is a movement of healing, as I mentioned this morning, that's getting ready to take place and is taking place. I want to say this. 
I don't know this individual. I got a message this week on one of my social media platforms, someone that is somewhat local, and they said, we don't know how we got on your social media, but we, we recently listened to the message that you preached on wounds. Said, I don't know how I got onto your program, but nevertheless, I did. And you were speaking directly to me. And because of that message, you have no idea how it's impacted my life. Can I tell you? I don't say that for any reason other than to tell you this. And they said, keep doing what you're doing because it has changed my life. Can I tell you that there has to come back to a place where there is healing virtue flowing. And notice what happens when you read Matthew chapter 21. And it simply says these words. Let me give it to you again. It says, and the blind and the lame come to him in the temple and he healed them. Now. There is a movement of healing. And that means we're going to be faced with some things, but don't try to create something or make something happen because we don't do anything. God is the one that does everything. Now, when you really get into this and look deep into this, and I don't have time to tear it apart like I would like to, notice with me. Jesus began to operate in a movement of healing and a time of restoration. There is a movement that is taking place right now that all of us has witnessed over the last two and a half weeks. And it's because there is a movement for healing and restoration to come. Now, I say that to say this. This man has disrupted humanity multiple times. This man named Jesus. But it's always been to take people into a new realm or a new phase. And we're getting ready to transition into something wonderful and beautiful. What's that look like? I don't think any of us can fully answer that question. But here's what I know that it's not going to look like. And I mean no disrespect by this whatsoever. It is not going to look like. Cane Ridge Revival. It's not going to look like the Jesus movement. It's not going to look like Brownsville. It's not going to look like any other thing we talk about. It will not look like Asbury did in 1970. And going forward, it's not going to look like what it's looked like for the last two weeks. Because the last two weeks was just the noise. But the impartation of the wind is going to give it a full presentation and identity that we have yet to see what it's going to look like. That doesn't mean everybody's going to swing off chandeliers at every service. No. It means there will be some solemn assemblies and there will be some quiet times before the Lord. And it's probably in those quiet times that there will be more healing and more restoration done than there is in the midst of all the noise. I'm not speaking against the noise. But I'm trying to teach you something right now. Now, what I'm teaching you is this is not an emotional thing. This is not a hype thing. But this is an inner work thing that God is doing in the hearts of humanity. And listen, there will be those that may just be sitting and weeping. That doesn't mean that we have to go and intervene. It means this, let God do the work that he's doing. It means if somebody lays before the Lord uh, and they want to lay there, let them lay there and let God do the work. Listen, you don't ever want to get somebody off the operating table before the operation's done. 
I can tell you this, I'm not delivering this any way like I imagined I was going to deliver it tonight. But listen, I I believe I'm speaking to the heart of the church today. You and I need to understand that there is a move that's taking place. And this move is about to bring a manifestation of the power and the glory of God. And it's going to transition us uh, into a place uh, where we experience what he has for us to experience in this season. Notice with me, my fear is we have a generation that has been uh, blinded and lied to uh, by the adversary that simply says you can never obtain something. Uh, But I come to tell you that there is a freshness uh, of the Holy Ghost right now that we can have. Uh, And I want you to hear the word of the Lord. Uh, The one that the early church saw leave, he is coming again. But he's not coming, however, on the back of a colt clothed uh, in meekness. No, he's not. He's coming in the clouds of heaven uh, with the sound of a trumpet. Uh, and not as a lamb, but as a lion of the tribe of Judah. This interruption that's coming in our future, it will create havoc on the earth. However, before that happens, uh, there is a purification of the bride that's getting ready to take place, and it has become. Can I tell you, never, never, never in the history of Israel, uh, never ever in Jewish custom history will you find uh, that a bride uh, went to her bridegroom uh, before she went through the purification process, uh, before she was adorned with beauty, uh, before she was adorned with special things, uh, before she she had went through the perfuming process uh, where the atmosphere was changed by her presence. Uh, Can I tell you, we're not going to step into the thing that God has for us uh, in eternity uh, before we go through this purification process. Man, I wish I could deliver this tonight, how I sense it in my spirit, but can I tell you, there is a move, and this move right now uh, is not so you can shout. Uh, This move is not so you can get excited. Uh, We will do those things. Yes, we will, Uh, but this move that's happening in the earth today uh, is for a harvest of a generation uh, that the enemy says I've got you, I've got you, I've got you uh, but the church comes and says no you don't uh, because the God that we serve uh, is still alive uh, and he's still all power and he's still all authority can I tell you there's a move uh, and the move is to bring in a harvest yes uh, but it's a move to purify us uh, what I'm here to tell you you're about to become more beautiful uh, you're about to smell better. Uh, You're about to be dressed in garments uh, in the spirit uh, where you are going to be made ready for his arrival. This move is not just a move, but it's a move to prepare his bride. Because can I tell you, the church is leaving. But Here's the problem. You and I, people like you and I, we've fallen too in love with the world. We, we love everything too much around us. Listen, this is all going to go away. It's all going to go away. But what's not going to go away is His Word. Please hear me. Funeral service after funeral service. Broken family after broken family. Heartbreak after heartbreak. Can I tell you? We're in a place where men and women need hope. That this isn't all there is. Hear me. 
this move is trying to get us to a place where we walk in a manner again. When the world goes by, it has to turn in because of the draw. I saw some of you get more excited over fried chicken last week when Marcus was going to preach about it because the aroma was drawing you in. I don't even know if you could wash it because you're still you're more concerned about locating what you smelled. I wish we'd get such an aroma about us in this current move that people couldn't get their focus on everything else, but they had to come searching. And that's exactly what God is doing in the earth today. As they get ready to come to the music tonight, I'm going to bring this to a close for just a moment. He is coming back. And his return is going to change everything. But before he comes... Understand with me tonight that this current move of his presence is not just a normal move. And this move of correction is not just a, any normal move of correction, but there's a purpose. Ecclesiastics tells us that there is a time and a purpose to everything under heaven. And this move tonight that we're witnessing in our nation and the nations of the world. It's based on God's design. And as this begins to unfold, there's, there's something that's going to be evident in the body of Christ again. And I want to give it to you. There is getting ready to be the return of the beauty of holiness. Some of you in this room can remember the old saints. And I'm not talking about the traditional side of things. I'm not talking about the dress. I'm not talking about that. But there is true men of God and women of God that has gone before us. And when you looked upon them, their countenance was different. And I don't need, mean this, I don't want this to sound derogatory. I don't want this to sound off color at all. But even as a child, even throughout my adult life, I will tell you this. Some of the most beautiful people that I've ever saw was not those that necessarily held natural beauty in their physique, but it was simply this. It has been seasoned saints that walked in humility and the love of God that some of the most beautiful women that I've ever saw in my life was old gray-haired grannies. Because when I saw them, there was just something about it. And I'm, not, I'm not speaking ill of anything but I'm just saying there was just something about their countenance because there was a beauty of holiness. There's a beauty of, of, there was a beauty of just their, 
you knew they had walked with him. You knew they had talked with him. And their attitude and their demeanor just oozed, not just of a granny love, but of a Christ love. The same thing with men. Men that handled themselves, that they wasn't trying to fit into the modern day mold. They wasn't trying to be over masculine, but they wasn't trying to be feminine either. They was just trying to be men. And because they was walking out in their God-given characteristic of being a man, they become attractive and they become inspirations and say, you know what, they conduct themselves well, they handle themselves well, and you knew that they would have been alone with God. And it was the beauty of holiness. You see, when the beauty of holiness is present, it brings about a beauty of wholeness as well. And it wasn't that they had everything together, but it was simply this. It was simply that they understood who held everything together for them in their lives. And it was Christ. I sincerely believe we're coming back to the place where God's getting ready to adorn you. To walk in a manner where there is an aroma and there is a garment upon the church that begins to cause men and women to gravitate towards us again. So tonight I simply want to say very quickly that there truly is a move. And unfortunately tonight, much like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the priests, of Matthew chapter 21 and Mark 11, Mark 12, and all throughout that time period, there will be a group of people that miss what God is doing. Not because they want to miss it, but because they refuse to pause long enough to experience and acknowledge that this really is a move and to understand the depth of it. So no matter how young, how old you are tonight, I want you to understand with me that this isn't just movement, but this is a move. There's a difference between movement and a move. Jesus wasn't just moving through Jerusalem. He had done that for many years. But there was a move at this specific time. And it caused children to begin to cry out. It caused a remnant to begin to acknowledge him. And it caused the temple to be purged. And it caused there to be a wave of healing to come back in and show a generation what his house was truly meant to be built for. And because of that, there was a struggle, but then there was a victory. The very ones that said Hosanna's, the very ones that said crucify but he fought the good fight. He fulfilled the will of his father. And very early on the first day of the week, they said, why are you looking for him? He's alive. He's not present here. There was a great, great victory won.
And you and I are walking in that victory today. So let's not miss this move. Let's not be distracted. Let us not sit on the sidelines, but let's make the decision to get involved and to engage and to be part of what God is doing in the earth today. As we stand all over the house tonight. You say, why is it important? If I had time tonight, I would finish this this word that God has really put in my spirit. I did not really get to dive into the fact that after all of this transpired, that it says that Jesus left the city and went into Bethany, but he returned the next morning. And as he returned to the city, he... He hungered, and as he hungered, he looked at a fig tree, and he saw that he found nothing on it and only leaves, meaning this. It sure did look pretty, but it sure didn't bear nothing. You know, the church looks pretty right now, but it sure don't have much in a lot of instances. It looks pretty. But you know what he does when he looks at something that's pretty and it don't have any fruit on it? He just curses it and notice it withered away. In this move, there's some things getting ready to wither. But it's not because of God not doing something, but it's because God is doing something. And there's a withering going to take place, but there's going to be a reemerging of something supernatural. They go a little further and notice his disciples. They was amazed by what they saw. But he had a word for them concerning that little fig tree. He said unto them, he said, if you'll have faith, tell your neighbor, say, if you'll have faith and doubt not, you can not only do what which is done to this fig tree, but you can also speak to this mountain and be thou removed and tell it to go into the sea and it shall be done. But then he says, and all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive them. This is a very unique moment because right now in this moment, if, if we can get people to believe, if we can get people to believe and not doubt, I believe that there is getting ready to be the response that people are desiring in prayer. So here's what I'm going to ask you. If there's lack in your life, if there's some things you want different in your life, I'm going to call you to a place of prayer in this move. I don't know what that looks like for you personally, but I believe starting today in your life, if you'll begin to pray and believe only, you can ask what you will, and God is going to show himself mightily. So tonight, I'm going to ask you to just join hands with the person beside you. I want to pray with you and pray for you. And I want you to just pray for the person that's beside you tonight. And I want you to pray earnestly for them. 
Because during this move of God, the enemy will try to rear his head. He will try to distract and he will try to discourage. So I want you to pray against any discouragement, any distraction that may come to that individual that's beside you. Because we're going forward. We are getting ready to experience the the more of God. I believe with all every fiber in me that there's a wind been released this evening in the nations of the world that's getting ready to cause a divine reversal. So tonight, as we pray together, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the move. I thank you for the interruption. Lord, I thank you for doing what only you can do in this season. Lord, I thank you for the heart of repentance that many are displaying. Lord, I thank you for a generation that's calling out and saying, God, have your way. God, we need you and God, we want you. I thank you for all of those things that's been said. But Lord, also I thank you for the move of correction that's coming to the house of God in this season. Lord, but my prayer is tonight that men and women of the faith, they would respond to the correction. They would respond in a manner of simply like this. Say, Lord, forgive us. And Lord, help us. And Lord, as we do that, I pray that there would begin to be a release of your power and of your authority, Lord, because it is always your will to restore. It is always your will to heal. And Father, I thank you for the healing virtue that's been released even today. I thank you for the move of restoration that's beginning to take place in our nation as well as the nations of the world. Lord, I thank you for those that's coming and uh, surrendering their life to you in this season. But Lord, I pray that the church would be proactive and it would begin to put in place uh, that which is needed in these regions all across our nation as well as others. Lord, that the discipling of these young converts will be developed so that we can touch the world. Let us, Lord, be instrumental in bringing in this last day harvest. So today, Lord, I pray for every family. I pray for every individual under the sound of my voice tonight. Lord, I pray for strength. I pray for encouragement. Lord, I pray for wisdom. I pray for knowledge to be granted to them. And Lord, tonight my prayer is this. Lord, let them not be weary in well-doing. But Lord, I pray that there would just be a spiritual awakening and encounter in their own personal lives Lord, where they would begin to realize that this is just the beginning. So, Lord, today I pray, help us to begin to burn with passion for our families, for our community, for our state, for our nation, as well as for the nations of the world. Lord, today I just release a word of healing over this congregation. Lord, I I just release a word of strength and encouragement over them today. So today, Lord, as we prepare to leave your house for today, Lord, but not your presence, I pray you'd go with us. I pray you'd lead, guide, and direct us. I pray you'd go before us. And Lord, I pray that any plot of the enemy against any individual in this room would be exposed and that they would be able to respond as you caused them to respond. And Lord, I thank you for the victory that's already been bought and paid for for them. And Lord, I pray for the freshness of your spirit to be released, 
the remainder of this evening over the houses of worship across this land as well as across the arenas of this land. But Lord, I pray specifically for what's taking place in this very moment of time there in Lexington, Kentucky. I pray that anything that would try to stop or alter what you're getting ready to release in that room, Lord, would be driven back. And Lord, let there be an open heaven tonight. And Lord, I pray that there would just be a settling down of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for baptizing tonight. Thank you for allowing fire to fall. And Lord, I thank you for your presence in this room even now. Lord, I know it's a little different setting tonight. But Lord, I thank you for the closeness. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We look forward to what you have in store for us and our families and for what you have in store for this ministry and the ministries that's associated with it. Lord, we give you praise and glory and honor tonight in Jesus' mighty name. And the church says amen and amen. Pastor Jade here, I just want to thank you for watching the service with us today and being a part of it. We ask that you stay in touch with us, follow us on all of our social media platforms, and we'll see you again soon. We love you, so does God.